this is like a game where you like you like you're trying to dodge arrows with your boner because you want to fuck her like, while she's yeah. tied to a pole, and right. it's just like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Why is this a game? Because people are awful and horny. <laughs> was it like constants. an actual release game? It wasn't like a hack or something? It was actually released on Nintendo. Nintendo? I don't know for sure. Atari? When it was an early I don't think it was game. Nintendo. I, I don't feel like, think it would have been Nintendo. I, yeah, that does not feel like Nintendo's <laughs> MO at all. I feel like... Mario Kart, Mario, and Custer's hard deck. Yeah. Isn't he going to be in Smash Brothers next? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With his big dick. <laughs> his big old dick. <laughs> when, I don't when, know if there's plans to release more Smash Brothers characters or not, but they have to do something about that character select screen. Because it's basically a diner menu now? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, it's like going to, uh, like, Wagamama. <laughs> it's like or, Cheesecake um, Factory. Cheesecake like Factory. 300 like, pages of characters. Like, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. You can narrow it down to 50. And, that it's... like, no sensical order to how they are arranged at all in any way. So like, Well, and then, like, if you if you unlock this or that one, right, they'll just kind of pop up and... Well, no, they, they have places. a designated spot, but it doesn't always make sense. Like, you think Link would be next to Toon Link? Not so. <laughs> Not Link somewhere else entirely. I got you. I got you on my mind. And it's time to make you see what I want. So I'll just make this a little more obvious. Because I get what I want and I want you to get with me. We watch this the podcast where three chums pretending to be the opposite gender watch a bad movie, talk about what they like, what they didn't like, and how they would fix it all while enjoying a cleverly themed cocktail. I am your host for this episode, Brendan. Soccer is the world's favorite sport. Drishler. I am Chris. Rub some dirt on it, Ravel. And I am Lee. I'm allergic to the sun, Delahanty. Thank you. <laughs> and for this episode, we are closing out our summer theme, our sweet and sour summer of YA angst uh, or teen angst. I don't think we ever really fully committed to one or the other. I think we've used both. And Brendan, just off of you saying that we're, we're all just friends operating under switched genders, yes. I just really hope by the end of this one of the two of you fall in love with me and then the other one can just go with my twin that's right Uh, so the movie that we will we are closing out our summer theme with is 2006's She's the Man directed by Andy Fickman starring Amanda Bynes Channing Tatum Laura Ramsey Vinnie Jones and David Cross Oh, and, um... Oh, Julie Haggerty. Julie Haggerty. Right. I mean, there's there's a handful of other people here. You know, like Julie Haggerty, Robert Hoffman's a guy I've seen in shit. James Snyder playing Malcolm. It kind He's of falls there. off, really. <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's, there's other people here. Anyways, so, of course, to sit through a movie like this, it helps us to have an alcoholic cocktail. And the drink that we made for this episode is called an Illyria Island Iced Tea. Very simple, very powerful. Two parts Iced Tea... <laughs> Two parts lemonade, one part gin, and some orange. And so basically you just throw everything into a glass with ice, mix it all up. I expressed a little bit of the orange peel over the cocktail and then rubbed the rim of the glass with some orange as well and threw in a big old orange slice there because orange slices, of course, are the national fruit of soccer matches, as we all know. So, Lee, <laughs> what was the iced tea that you made for this, first of all? Just oh, so we have I a little used... Bit of... um... It's, it's some form of Earl Grey, but it okay. was specifically called, like, pe- Breakfast in Paris or something. Ooh, how continental. I don't know the, I don't know the brand, but, yeah. Okay, I was just curious what kind like of tea Breakfast in Paris? Yes. Yeah, it's like a bergamot. 
infused like Earl Grey. Well, it was delicious. Yeah, it was a very good drink. Um, As we talked about before, we wanted to commit to a theme for drinks as well. So we were going with a sort of lemon lemonade theme for everything that we did. And naturally, nothing is more inherently lemonade than an alcoholic version of an Arnold Palmer, Mm -hmm. which is what we did here. And man, I guess it's been a long time since I've had an Arnold Palmer. I know, Lee, you've been been on that. Yeah, Lee's been pounding Palmers. But like... Delicious, simple, perfect, balanced. Uh, I love yeah. gin. This was great. Yeah, no, nothing, nothing to complain about here. Very good. It's it's a slightly hot day today, not as bad as it's been normally, but it was a very appreciated drink mm-hmm. for a day when it's a little bit humid out and a little bit hotter than you might like it to be. Everything worked for me. I also, liked it. The Bergman of the gin played really nicely with everything. Yeah, else. it did. Yep, it did. Everything worked out uh, really well together here. So, oh, oh but, just like this movie, yeah, just like every, oh. like every single ingredient came together to make something classic. <laughs> I, get I get it. Well, on that note, let's transition into our discussion on the movie. So, Chris, would you be so good as to read the synopsis for She's the Man? I will be so good. Thank you. Viola Hastings is a teen girl who plays for Cornwall's soccer team until the team gets cut. Her dream is to play for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Meanwhile, her twin brother Sebastian James Kirk is supposed to enroll at Illyria, an elite boarding school, but he secretly goes to London with his fledgling band instead. Viola agrees to cover for him and decides to pass herself off as Sebastian in the hopes of joining their boys team and beating Cornwall to prove their coach and her cocky ex-boyfriend Justin wrong for suggesting cancellation of Lady's soccer team. With the help of her stylist friend Paul, he really is queer-coded. Of course he is, 100%. Um, she is transformed into Sebastian and attends Illyria in his place. While moving in, she meets her roommate, Duke Orsino, an attractive soccer player and Illyria's team captain. During tryouts, Viola fails to impress Coach Dinklage and is assigned to second second string, much to her dismay. Her teammates, including Duke, initially dislike Sebastian due to his awkward and strange behavior. However, with help from Paul once again, they begin to accept them into their social circle. Sebastian then gets them popular... Then gets... the popular and beautiful Olivia Lennox, Lara Ramsey, as his lab partner, with which frustrates Duke as he had feelings for her. Sebastian agrees to put in a good word for Duke if he promises to train him to be a better soccer player. Coach Dinklage eventually notices Sebastian's effort and improvement, thus promoting him to first string. At the Junior League Carnival, where her mother has made her volunteer, Viola works a shift at the kissing booth and kisses Duke. Duke expresses to Sebastian that he might move on from Olivia as he is starting to like Viola now. Viola is delighted as she secretly feels the same way. Olivia, who now has a crush on quote-unquote Sebastian, asks Duke out on a date in the hopes that it'll make him jealous, uh, Sebastian jealous. Viola, who is unaware of Olivia's true intentions, is enraged because Duke has now abandoned his interest in Viola. When Viola finds out the truth, she encourages Olivia to tell Sebastian directly about her feelings. The situation becomes even more complicated when the real Sebastian returns from London a day early, unbeknownst to Viola. As soon as he arrives at Illyria, Olivia confesses her feelings and kisses him. Duke, seeing this, believes his roommate has betrayed him. When Sebastian returns to their room, the two have an argument and Duke kicks him out. Viola oversleeps and misses the first half of the game, while the real Sebastian is mistaken for quote-unquote Sebastian and winds up poorly playing his sister's game instead. At halftime, Viola explains the situation to Sebastian, and they switch places again. Whew. All right, we're in the home stretch. Duke, still furious at Sebastian, quote-unquote, refuses to cooperate with him on the field. Determined to make amends with Duke, Sebastian explains he is actually Viola. Illyria wins the game when Viola scores the goal, finally humiliating Justin and the rest of the Cornwall boys. Everyone at Illyria celebrates their victory over Cornwall, except for Duke, who's hurt about Viola's deception. Viola introduces Sebastian and Olivia officially, and they begin dating. Viola 
and Sebastian's parents, divorced parents, also make up, exchanging contact information as to be better parents towards their children. She invites Duke to her debutante ball with an invitation delivered by Sebastian, now Duke's actual roommate. Still hurt, Duke doesn't respond to Viola's invitation, which devastates her. At the ball, Viola is skeptical that Duke will show up, and she distracts herself by assisting Olivia, who is being escorted by Sebastian to the ball, and is touched when Paul asks her to be her date. Her mother shows up with a dress that will suit Viola's no-ruffles policy, but Viola decides to go for a walk instead. She runs into Duke outside, who tells her he has feelings for her, but that he doesn't want there to be any more deception on her part. Viola promises to be honest with him. Later, Monique, Alex Breckenridge, is escorted by Justin. To- this is the first time Monique has... Okay, first, this is insane that, like, half of the running time of the synopsis has been the last ten minutes of the movie. I'm I sorry, know. keep going. And then we're only getting... An actor introduction, literally in the last... Right, when it doesn't fucking matter who she is. Is escorted by Justin. Olivia is escorted by Sebastian. Use the word escorted. Just say he went with. Um, Oh, it's like a thing. Yeah, Yeah, they're escorts. Oh, okay. And Viola and Duke enter the stage late, but together with Viola in her new dress, much to the joy of her mother, Viola and Duke share a kiss before joining the crowd. At the end of the film, Viola and Duke are shown happily playing on Illyria's soccer team together. (sighs) Great. Okay, so that was definitely the synopsis for She's the Man. That's definitely most of what happens in She's the Man, albeit horribly told. So I just want to go through real quick. We'll do just do like the cast as to who plays mm-hmm. whom in case we do that. So Amanda Bynes is Viola Hastings, the main character. Channing Tatum is Duke Orsino, her, her love interest. Laura Ramsey is Olivia Lennox. James Snyder is Malcolm Festes, who is like barely mentioned in the synopsis, but is like this sort of persnickety, like I don't know what do you call him, like the head boy or whatever. I mean, his name is both a reference to Malvolio but and Festes, right? But it's it's so he's he's like like what like the RA or something for this dorm because he's like being a constant pain in the ass about everything honestly it just says that he's and on the Wikipedia page it just says he's the school nerd and Viola's right I mean that's all you need Emily Perkins is Eunice uh, a mm-hmm. character who's also not mentioned. She's like this little weirdo. Uh, a and character has, who's not really mentioned. She has kind of kinky fantasies. Yeah, she, she's really super horny. Uh, Alex Breckenridge as Monique Valentine, who is not really mentioned this at all, but like throughout the entire movie, like basically she is dumped by Viola as Sebastian Mm -hmm. and through the rest of the movie is like no we're not broken up yet I'm going to blow your cover by like showing up and doing something blah 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 so like you have to deal with that shit while that's going on Robert Hoffman as Justin Viola's ex-boyfriend Vinnie Jones as Coach Dinklage Mm -hmm. David Cross as Principal Horatio Gold Julie Haggerty as Daphne Hastings their mother uh, Brandon J. McLaren as Toby, who is one of Duke's friends who is attracted to Eunice. Clifton Murray as Andrew, one of Duke's other friends who is, I don't know, maybe Not gay. Really in this. <laughs> and Jonathan Sadowski as Paul Antonio Vale's best friend slash hairstylist. And that's really all that kind of matters at this point. So that's She's the Man. Uh, so... Who's seen this movie prior to this? All of us? Okay. All right, cool. (laughs) I only saw it for the first time like a year or two ago, having never seen it before, but I was always under the impression that this was a good movie. (laughs) I was. I don't. Why? I don't think I was ever really under that impression. <laughs> well, I don't know way. why. I don't know why I was. I was under. So I. I think the first time I saw this movie was shortly after I moved up to Boston. Caitlin, friend of the show, showed it to me, and it was with the. It was in the context of like, yeah, this movie is trash, but it's like really fun, entertaining trash. And I remember at the time agreeing, like, oh my god, this is so funny and ridiculous. And then now that I'm watching it. 10, over 10 years later, really, I'm just sort of like, no? Your experience can change, like, depending on who you see a movie with. That's, that's also true. 
Um, or you think about uh, cool as yeah, ice. Cool as ice. ice. Yeah. yeah. Drop well, it okay. the with the I'm also thinking like when when we watched Boonrocker together for the first time, it, was it fun. felt more fun. Yeah. yeah. And then it felt less fun after that. Yeah. <laughs> for but sure. Like, it's, so yeah, it's like whether it's your first time watching it or like mm-hmm. the energy of of being with someone who likes it, yeah, and that a, can kind of shift your that's true. experience. That's That was the night we found out the terrible, terrible lack of nacho makings at the 7-Eleven near me at the time. Yeah, well, you were like, all you need to do for nachos is, like, shredded cheese and chips. chips. And that was it. <laughs> I remember this! I wasn't there, but I remember hearing about it. And they didn't fucking have it. They didn't even have those two Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what? How? Oh, god, anyway. that's a... Well, that was a tiny 7-Eleven, anyway. Yeah, that was. I remember that. I've walked by that one before. <laughs> it was notable because it had a crypto ATM in there. <laughs> It was years ahead of the trend. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> having uh, having talked about that. So, so yeah, I, I don't know why I had always thought this movie was good, but I was under the impression that it was. I feel like it was one of those things where it's like this, this is, this is a, I don't know if you want to call it a genre, but like a thing that I enjoy. We've talked about this before. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoy is like classic lit adapted to modern day with teenagers. Yeah. So you've got your clueless, you've got mm-hmm. your easy A, 10 things I hate about you. All shit like really that. amazing yeah. gold standard entries. Right. I like anytime there is an adaptation of classic lit set in a high school with like teenagers fuck yeah I'm, into I'm it. there I'll watch it great I don't know why I never saw this one accordingly but I didn't then when I watched it it turns out not a very good movie uh you know I don't think this is like a hot take here given that it was not critically well received it does feel like there is a weird as I mean like look this is the case with like all movies that you watch like a lot of not I want to say all but a lot of movies that you watch when you're like a teenager mm-hmm. and then when you grow up and you watch them again you can't comprehend the possibility that they're bad so you feel the need that you have to still somehow defend them in yeah. some way. I honestly think that you'd have to be like preteen to appreciate this movie. I was gonna say like and I was where the humor is at. I was yeah, really I trying mean, to like filter myself a little bit because I was like okay Chris I, you're literally tr- I've turned 35 today so like of oh, course that's right it's the special birthday boy episode. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but just like so obviously like this movie in in many ways is not for me right? And I was like, I kept catching myself because I'm like, God, this feels so kiddy. But it does. It, does. it feels even younger than teens. I mean, there are it plenty like, of like... It feels like prom where it's, yeah, it's right. at the pre well, there, yeah, there are plenty of teen movies that I can still enjoy. It's Disney Channel Nick movie energy. It, it's, yes. I think it's aggressively... And I don't think it's just because of Amanda Vines, but that is a part of it. Where yeah. it does feel aggressively Nick movie. Yeah, but it's like what, what 10-year-olds watch and think like, ah, oh, this is what I right. think. Like, but I mean, but this is the thing that I wonder too, sort of. So like, this is, this is a movie starring Amanda Vines. Who was Amanda Bynes' fan base? Weren't they mostly like... The Amanda Show and all that. No, no, no. I'm not saying like, where did they come from? I'm saying like, do you think it was mostly girls around the same age as Amanda Bynes? I mean, we are the ones that grew up with Amanda Bynes. Right. She was a little bit younger than us, basically. I think. So, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. That's, I, I'm imagining that a lot of Amanda Bynes fan base are close in age to Amanda Bynes. I just You think they're younger? I think they're younger. Really? I, I don't know. My read of it You're is... part of it. We're yeah. part of the prime Amanda, I know. Amanda Bynes generation. And maybe maybe that would have hit had I seen it when it came out. Maybe it would have been like, yeah, th- I get this. What was but, the release year on those? Uh, 06, I believe it was. So we... Oh, I would have just, just graduated high from high school. Right, yeah. yeah so maybe maybe completed our first year of college. Yeah, 2004, 2005. Yeah, Amanda Bynes is April 1986, so she is slightly older. Yeah. One year old. So, so yeah. I think that this movie, if it's made for people our age, was mm-hmm. a horrible failure. Me too, because I feel like this is teen-led media that's aimed at 10-year-olds. Like, I feel like it's yeah. people who are not yet teens, but... And there was like a vein of that. Yeah, like even Prom if, you were, was if you were in high school, you'd be watching this movie, be like, "This is not at all, at real. all." It's like, right. yeah, none of this is what happens at any point. 
I was just trying to look up and see like what the actual rating for this movie was. I'm just curious if it was oh, PG. If I, if I had to guess, PG thirteen. I bet it's PG thirteen. Yeah, so I'm saying like it can't be entirely for like ten year olds if it's yeah, PG thirteen. Yeah, but it definitely is. Written but you as could go to PG thirteen if you were ten. I'm not saying you parent. can't go. I'm just saying I think this is skewing slightly older than like ten year olds. Well, I I don't I get I don't know who saw this movie. If that was it's their written, goal. It's written to not appeal to high schoolers. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's written not to appeal to most people, yeah. I think. Um, like, if you... Yeah, if you're above the age of 14, I don't know how... Unless you're... Listen, not to insult people, but, like, unless you have a whole... Like, a horrendously skewed vision of reality, I don't know how you watch the video. Like, or just, oh, again, yeah, again right. that you're just, like, that, for whatever reason, big of a fan of Amanda Bynes. Yeah, like, like, if you like Amanda Bynes' shtick... Yeah. Which, again, like, her fans would have only seen her in, like, two major, like, Nick properties... Right? I mean, like, I, I don't know what else she's done prior to that. Amanda show, right, I, I know there, there are those things, obviously. I mean, depending on when Big Fat I mean, Liar she was a, Big Fat Liar was 02. What a Girl Once okay. was 03. Oh my god, What a Girl Once. Right. Do you have to be a Mid Vines fan? Couldn't you just have like, heard about this movie through? Like, yeah, no, I think you certainly sure. you certainly could. And like, I had the trailer makes it look better. I don't know, but yeah. it made money. It did. The poster makes it look like it could be kind of cool. Right, yeah, no, we were talking about the posters a little bit where it's just like the main cast, and it's like so and so loves so and so, but they're secretly so and so, and they're in love with this person. He was in love with this which is a fun way which, to right, no like I think that's a fun way to show like it's a what a twisted like tangled right. web this yeah. movie will weave um, yeah just real quick though throwing it out the budget was 20 to 25 million and it did make 57 million so like it definitely made money this yeah. movie uh, helps again that it was pretty cheap but so just to go back let, let's go let, let's back up a little bit here let's go way back to the beginning and talk about where this movie comes from this movie of course is a loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night or some like it not whatever the fuck what it was called what you will what you will, what you will. What you will. Yeah. some like it nothing is my is my forthcoming that's right. some like it nothing is the yeah, 1930s it's... style uh, something up to do that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> We're gonna do uh, fake uh, Bob. What's his name? I can't remember the name of the people. Bob Hope is that? Who's that? Yeah, no, Bob Hope's not. No, no, like Bob Hope. Who am I thinking of? Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. Yeah. I was I was confusing it with the on the road movies. I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, yeah, that it's, um, Tony Curtis Rossi. and Jack Lemon. Yeah. yeah, Tony, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to have deepfake Jack Lemon. Yeah, and Tony Curtis <laughs> Tony and Marilyn Monroe. Curtis. We're yeah. just going to deepfake everyone. It's going to be the first all deep. Yeah, the deepest the faking. The technology is ready, guys. Yeah. You're welcome, America. Yeah. Adaptation of Twelfth Night, the mm-hmm. Shakespeare play. Uh, Lee, can you give us a little bit of information about Twelfth Night? As our resident expert. Yeah. Sure. So this is off the dome. I'm not reading anything. Right, so no, that's Apologies, fine. but... The, to give you an idea of, like, the difference in, like, sort of stakes, Twelfth Night, Viola and Sebastian are twins whose ship has just crashed. Mm-hmm. They both wash up on different shores, I guess. Yeah. Presuming the other is dead. And so, like, you start on uh, Viola being shipwrecked on uh, Illyria. I don't know. It's, the it's, shores it's, of Illyria. It's like a peninsula life, or something. Peninsula, yeah. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's finding... She's, like, you know, prospectless, moneyless, jobless, and... This ship captain is, is kind of giving her the, the what the what do about this island and saying, like, well, you got this lady, Olivia. Now, Olivia's brother just died. She's not accepting any any offers of anything. No suitors, yeah. Love, work, nothing. Right. And she's like, ah, oh, shame. Shucks, because it'd be really cool to work for Olivia. We could, we could both be buddies. <laughs> yeah, about, right. Our brothers died. That's right. We could both be yeah. women together. <laughs> we could be women who have lost their brothers <laughs> yes, together. Right. Um, she said, well, you got this other guy, the Duke, who's madly in love with Olivia, um, but, you know, he, he won't he only take... She won't only, see him, yeah. Yeah, won't see him. And also, you know, you can't work for him if you're a girl. She right. said, well, fuck it. Uh, why don't you make me look like my brother and I'll just go work go for Orsino. Yeah. yeah. And so she quickly becomes like Orsino's closest confidant and Orsino's really trying to bone this girl, Olivia. So he's like, 
listen, I've sent a million guys over and they won't, none of them can get in to see her, but I'm going to send you because you're my number one My guy. number one guy. My number one guy. My close. My number one guy. <laughs> So she goes over as uh, Cesario, her like male mm-hmm. alter ego. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why she doesn't use the name. Yeah, I know that is super weird, right? She just it is a strange complication. A identity, yeah. yeah, which I guess is a, a decision that she's the man makes, which is smart. Yeah, which is no, I, it's, I, harder I, yeah. to, it's harder to fake your identity in modern day as well. Yeah. Yes, you're like ah, I'm, yeah, I'm a new person. I'm Cesario. And someone and says like, okay, like what's your bank account? What's your social yeah. security number? Well, check like, your uh, school record. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it's also Cesario is a much cooler name anyway. No, I, I can't argue that. Um, so yeah, she goes over and because Cesario slash Viola is like, is quite literate and well-spoken, is able to grant herself an audience with Olivia. She somehow seems different from different the Different, yeah. There's just like something special about <laughs> Cesario. Um, and Olivia like very quickly falls in love with Cesario. Right. And then for the rest of the movie, it's kind of a back and forth. On that plot, on that front, it's just like, it's, or Sina being like, hey, please go over it. And Cesario still surreal. like, I don't really want to, I don't want to go over it. I don't know yeah. I keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> She's kind of weird. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of like, we got a thing going on. And like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm kind of vibing guy. toward you, like, <laughs> yeah. even though I'm a guy, but you don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And it and is, so there's a, a huge subplot that is pretty much non-existent in the movie, Choose mm-hmm. the Man, which is that um, Olivia's got a bunch of servants. She's got her butler, Malvolio, who is Malcolm, and she's the man, essentially. Um, who's like the head butler. She also has an uncle who's drunk all the time called mm-hmm. Sir Toby. Uh, she has a maid servant. And they and... kind of make up like a, almost like a little like quirky... Bunch like, of friends. Yeah, yeah. they're like, they, they yeah. kind of come together to like collectively torture Malfoy. Yeah. yeah, so like her, Olivia's uh, uncle, Sir Toby, and the maid of the house, Maria, Mariah. Yeah, and uh, Festy. Festy the jester. And there's also another sort of Fabian. We don't talk about Fabian. Yeah. Well, we don't, don't talk, talk about Fabian. I hate it. I have to listen That's to another one talk about very cover on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to murder someone. Basically, Malvolio's a stick in the mud. Nobody likes him. He's an asshole. He lords over over everyone, be it Sir Toby um, or the servants of the house. And one night, uh, Mariah, uh, Festy, Andrew, Sir Andrew is another character that is not, well, I guess he's sort he's, of... Because there's a character named Andrew, but he has, they have like nothing in common yeah. aside from the name. So Toby has this guy, Sir Andrew, that he's basically stringing him along because Sir Andrew's rich and he's paying for all of his drinks and he's like, yeah, I'll totally hook you up with my... With Olivia. Olivia. Yeah. And Andrew's like a fucking huge loser <laughs> who can't He's like, yeah, I'm like really good at dancing. He's not good at dancing. I know for the languages. He doesn't know any languages. He barely knows English. <laughs> and Sir Toby's just basically like using him for his money. And so they're all partying one night, and Malvolio shows up and is like, I'm better than all of you. Like blah blah blah. He does some big speech, um, and then there's something about no being no cakes, no cakes and ale. <laughs> yeah, lines. Just that thing because thou art virtuous, there shall be no more cakes and ale. <laughs> which is a great line. I think you should say that to your parents whenever you're they catch you just being disobedient. Um, or going too hard. <laughs> yeah, eating too many cakes and ale. Yeah. Um, and so the three of them are basically like, Andrew's not in this because he's too stupid and nobody likes him anyway, really, are like, let's, I have an idea. Like, let's, he's has got to stick up his ass and we think he kind of has a crush on Olivia anyway. So let's, I'll forge a letter from Olivia because they know how to write in her handwriting. We'll make him think that she likes him and we'll tell him to do really stupid shit in front of her. And just like embarrass and himself. And just embarrass yeah. the shit up of himself. So they do that. 
and it goes way too far. And eventually they, because they, he does this, and they're, and they're all like, "What are you mad?" And they're like, "Take him away!" Mad. Yeah, he is mad. And they have him like imprisoned for being mad, and then Festy dresses up as a priest to like go and be like, "Yes, you are mad." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so it, it goes way too far. And so by the end of the movie, Sebastian, who's also alive and has been cluttering around with his buddy Antonio the whole time, on like some other coastline, I guess. Some other coastline. They they show up yeah. in Illyria, and Antonio's like. Here, you can go find work maybe in, in right. Yeah, I can't go anywhere too because well because yeah. I'm a fugitive yeah. and I will be caught. Proceeds to get caught, finds Cesario and just like, hey, bro, vouch for me. And Cesario's like, who the fuck are you? I don't know you. It's <laughs> um, like, eventually, yeah, and then Sebastian, before he can do anything else, runs into Olivia, who thinks it's Cesario, and, and then like they're like, wants to marry him like right away to marry him yeah. and he's like sure this is great <laughs> i show up and there's this hot girl and she wants yep. to marry me i certainly fell into the butter let's do it <laughs> and then at the end they're like all together sebastian's gone off to like i think fight sir andrew or sir toby or something and the like the cesario and orsino and olivia are all there and olivia's like why aren't you coming with me husband and you're like what the fuck and i didn't marry you blah blah, blah. and then sebastian comes around the corner and it's like oh my god my brother is alive my and sister yeah my, like, my, my sister, sister is also alive. to be a guy yeah and then orsino's like this is great news i'll marry this guy that yeah. definitely wasn't ready to bone yeah. <laughs> um and then it's a happy ever after and then malvolio shows up and is like I what did you do to me? You made me crazy, yeah. and they're all like, "Sorry, sorry, sorry bud." <laughs> and he, he just basically walks off, saying, "I'll revenge." Yeah, I'll get back on you. Like, oh, Malvolio. Yeah, yeah and it's curtain. Festy, Sir so, Toby, and Mariah are all like, "Shreddy gift, get good, <laughs> yeah, yeah, easy, GG, <laughs> <laughs> easy." <laughs> Yeah. And that is Sucks Sucks bad. effectively <laughs> the plot of Twelfth Night. The, the the question that you would have, I guess, if your if your pitch is basically let's adapt Twelfth Night for the teen scene, the question is, how do you adapt it? And so what this movie, of course, ends up doing is turning Illyria into a private school. Um, what's what's the place where they're originally from? Cornwall, Cornwall. right? Right. Yeah. Cornwall. Which is like I another private that. school or something like yeah. that. And like they're all horny teens. And the idea, of course, is that in this one, Olivia disguises herself like on purpose to play soccer. Whereas in the stage play, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say like entirely incidental, but like it doesn't really. She doesn't go in there with the plan. It's, a, right, it's, no. not, like, it's not like she's going there with a scheme it's to like, like do something. It's, yeah. It's like her only recourse. For right. Living. It's. It's kind yeah. of just like the decision she makes in the moment. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a relatively minor thing for her character to do this. Yes. As opposed to like, you know, like like a Rosalind or a Mulan or something like that. Yeah. Where you're like, you're you're proving a point. They, also, I think it should be noted, in Twelfth Night, the only reason why... I mean, there's uh, some internal logic failure, obviously. But the only reason why this kind of works, even ostensibly, is that uh, Sebastian and Olivia have... Olivia? Have not this is a Viola. Or Viola, sorry. Yeah. Sebastian and Viola have not been seen by anyone in no, Illyria. Nobody's seen right. However, in She's the Man, multiple people who know both of them extremely well. Yeah. Totally right. Beautiful. I mean, they're, they're, they're like, yeah, like, you have a lot of this. You have things with like Monique, who is Sebastian's ex girlfriend. You have things with Justin, who is Viola's ex girlfriend. You have their mom, and then at the end, when uh, Sebastian shows back up, like everyone else sees him, is like, oh hey, Sebastian, that guy we've known for two weeks. Right. Like, come on and play soccer. Like, you play soccer, and he's like, oh okay, I guess I will. But yeah. just the fact that like the coach in a deleted scene, it will be said, talks to him to his face and is like, hey, Sebastian, you like that guy I remember. <laughs> They don't look that much alike. At all! Like, this is, like, you still have this problem in the play, because, like, if you watch, like, the 96 movie of Twelfth Night, like, 
you still have those scenes where like Olivia shows up. It's clearly not the person she's been seeing, but she's right. like, but oh she my believes, God. yeah, like, hey, it's you. Yeah, yeah. and then like, yeah, you know, they've like literally Sir Andrew and Viola were dueling, and it was like this like horrendous like little sissy fight because Andrew's a whip and she's like not really that good at fencing yet. <laughs> and then like, and turns up and punches him in the face, and I'm like, this is clearly not the guy you fought like five seconds. Ago. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Take a second, like, and so you still have to sort of suspend that disbelief to some extent because you're always gonna have to deal with people that do not look like. Right. I mean, I. Think I think it is one of those things that in this, you know, there, there are other, you, you could also discuss this in the context of the 96 movie. It's one of those things that's easier to swallow in a play on yes. stage because there is that artifice there just baked into the plot by nature. And so it's a little bit more complicated when you have a movie like this. Especially because film traffics in a higher level of realism than theater does, and you kind of have to rise to meet that to pull this kind of concept off. Right. And I, I don't know what the workaround is for something like that, unless you find a set of fraternal twins in, who just happen to look really fucking identical to my, each other. In my fix, I have potential solution. So I guess not to tip too early, but I don't think there's anything wrong with even casting the same person. As both of them? I don't think that there necessarily is either. I just think that it's a difficult thing that you're going to have to pull yeah. off. It is a weird thing in this movie where you see initially Amanda Bynes like holds up a picture of her brother next to her in the mirror or mm -hmm. something. And she's like, huh, I guess we do look alike. And for whatever reason, they look more alike when she's a girl yes. than when she's disguised as him as a guy. I agree. I don't, I, I think there's, there's a lot of things at play here. There's the the wig. The it's wig. a bad wig. It's like a very sort of Justin Bieber-y early years. Oh, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> Um, th th there's that. There's the fact that obviously, like as a woman, she has different features. She mm -hmm. can't grow facial hair. They just don't look that similar. And with the boy wig, it takes her face, which is you know not not criticizing it, but is a bigger like she has she has a she has rounder a fuller, right. Rounder she has a rounder face. face. When you put the boy wig on her, it's not only does it not look like the brother who has a much more lean look, right. it also ages her down so much to the point where you're like, are you supposed to be well, like Yeah, she looks pre overgrown right. seven year old? And like when what's you, going on? And when you have like thirty year olds playing the other high schoolers, which this movie is one of the most aggressively like How not high schoolers. I think he was like, I don't know, like late twenties probably at mm -hmm. the time. This this has like the most egregious use of older than high school people playing high school students. Mm -hmm. And so I think contrary wise that it doesn't help when Amanda Bynes shows up wearing like her little boy wig with no facial hair, that like everyone looks like a fucking adult and yeah. she looks like a middle schooler yeah which is just a very weird thing that i can never quite get over in this movie i don't know what it is like i think it's partly that the wig frames her face differently like when she has longer hair her face just looks different i think i don't even know if maybe it's like it does a prosthetics thing or something that like her cheeks just look different i think there's, when she's playing and we sebastian can get, we can get into this in like characters and actors or whatever but i think there's an element to her performance that this happens less when she's in girl mode but especially when she's in boy mode there's a lot of very broad facial expressions, mm -hmm. almost like some of them almost look like they're skirting almost to be like directly down the lens at some points. But there's so many moments where she does like big eyes, big expression, and it's almost like she is in a play turning to the audience to make sure they're like catching the big the big look. Right. And it also tends to break, like make her look less natural or cartoonish, more cartoonish. Almost, yeah. Um, whereas everyone else around her just look like normal people. Right. Yeah, there, there is definitely that as well. well I mean, her acting, I mean, we'll get into Yeah, but like... Her pretending to be a boy is tough. is terrible. Yeah, <laughs> it is terrible. I think it's on the, the 
things she's being told. The writing, right? The writing, the direction. Yeah, yeah. There, that's all a mess too. Her Viola, the character's sense of of how to act like a boy is garbage. Garbage. Yeah, we will uh, go into that as well. I think one of the other things that, like, we were kind of talking about previously, one of the other issues if you're trying to pare down Twelfth Night into a 90-ish minute teen movie is the entire Malvolio subplot has very little to do with the main story plot, mm-hmm. which I imagine is, like, what you're attracted to. If someone were to pitch you, like, teen Twelfth Night, I imagine, like, that's what you're thinking. If you're thinking of, like, oh, Olivia, Viola, the Duke, like, that's what you're thinking yeah. of. And then you're also like, oh, wait, but Malvolio is here too. And so the movie's attempt to sort of reconcile that which I don't think is like inherently terrible no. is that he is instead of a steward, he's like the RA. He's Which makes in, sense. right. He's in love with Olivia. That's like part of things that informs his character. And so he kind of spends a lot of the movie trying to figure out what the deal is with fake Sebastian. And see, like, you know, like, uh, how, you know, how how can I humiliate him and see what's going on so that I can get into Olivia's good graces, which I think is, like, not the worst way of, like, shoving this character in, but it does have very little to do with what his subplot is in the original play. I I think it's a wise move to at least try to shave that subplot down, if not cut it off entirely, just because... Of all of the things in that play, that's also probably the most difficult to really put in the teen mold. I would disagree. Um, I would disagree strongly that you should cut the subplot because oh. I think it's the, the one of the most high school things is to humiliate somebody who's stuck up. That's true. And I, you can yeah. make it into a catfishing subplot. To, to have, in like, and all the characters real, that are like Festy is clearly like the slacker class clown. Class clown. Or yeah. Toby is more of the slacker, perhaps. Like the kid that got stuck back a couple of years yeah. and he can't graduate. Fessy is class going for sure. Right. Yeah. And so like you'd have all like that's where all of your sort of other tropes, your other sort of high school stereotypes that's come into play. And like you yeah, it would be a good diversion from the main story. I think it, that we could maybe tie it more into the main story, but I would I think it's a huge mistake to omit that. Yeah. So I see your point, Lee, about the value of that. And I think I will I will amend my thought about cutting it, but I guess I guess the function he really serves in the movie as he is now is just sort of another source of like pressure and potential exposure right and it's coming out. i would also argue that the movie really doubles down on that in a way that doesn't because they, they invent the character of monique who is has no analog in 12th night to also be this character who shows up and like threatens to blow everything sky high so it's kind of like i don't know why if you already have like a character whose role could ostensibly be that why you feel the need to complicate it by Make throwing anyone. in like another one who does that as well and i don't already know already many pointed like love blog right it's know? just like, like <laughs> the character monique for me is almost completely extraneous but that's just also i, I think that malvolio isn't really or malcolm i guess yeah. isn't like that much of a source of pressure because he's kind of like gormless and, yeah. and like right declawed most yeah. of the time yeah. like he really doesn't actually have much ever that he brings he's to the table he's a nice guy he's just there to sort of be made fun of I guess right. primarily which is kind of the same thing as a lot of these other side characters like Eunice yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so going off of the concept of Shakespeare in schools, as it were, um, <laughs> let's talk about the gender problems and roles in this movie, uh, I guess is a good way to say it. Uh, how, how, how do you think things turn out as far as gender is concerned in this picture? A lot of the films we watch for this podcast, when they approach gender, they tend to do a good job of showing you how everyone is just awful. <laughs> you know? That's fair. Every, everyone is kind of shit. All genders are shit on in this movie. Well, it's not that they're... It's not so much that they're awful. It's that they're, like, men. They have no right. ability to process emotions. Right. They want to fuck everything. Right. They're yeah. constantly horny. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I think that girls have slightly more nuance in this movie because the main character is one. And, like, 
but but still like the sh- the characterization overall is very shallow. Yes. Yeah. Um, and you don't really get much out of the woman beyond like Olivia being like IDK sensitive girl because she likes a guy that writes like yeah. <laughs> Olivia is like I don't know point five yeah. dimensional in this adaptation. <laughs> yeah. is like a weirdo. Right. Like, a weird uh, yeah, like a horny dork weirdo. Yeah. And and Vela really likes soccer. It's yeah, she loves the soccer. Vela. Listen, though, that's how you know she's not like the other girls. She's yeah. into sports. Yeah. And Monique is just crazy ex. Right. right. Crazy girlfriend. I mean, she's the repository for all yeah. crazy women. Tropes. But the idea the, the ideas that this movie has about how to act like a boy are horrendous. It's and it's yeah. What's weird is that there are two there are two things wrong. The men are all the, the actual men of this movie are horrendously wrongly portrayed. Mm-hmm. And also, how they tell... How the people around Viola tell her to act is right. a different form of horrendously off. Yeah, so I'm so... like th- That's the thing that confuses me a lot about this. So it seems... The movie seems to imply that Viola's entire idea of how to act like a man comes from watching guys walk on the yes, street. Yes, And, like, like there's just, yes. like, a montage of her watching guys and, like, mimicking their walk. And then it's like... And now she's dressed as a man. And, she's done it. And don't you feel like the voice she does is almost just, like... the most basic jokey man voice that oh, I mean like the voice is terrible like the vo- yeah. like we, we've talked about this ourselves but it's like you, you know very African American vernacular English tinge which I realized it was, it was kind of a thing at the time right where you have like a lot of guys on like MTV or whatever right. like you're, you're trying to mimic that sort of distinctive well and I mean we're not like an enlightened society now no, we're good but now. our passive and casual racism was even more intense then and right. uh, there was like... a widespread thing of just co-opting yeah, like we we know that Amanda Bynes is capable of more vocally than what she does. I don't know right. why that's the the place. Right, does. and I think the thing that I also find bizarrely weird. So like, I feel like there are things you could have done with that. Like, I think you could have potentially had like, haha, hilarious jokes about how like Paul is the one teaching her what a man is like, but because Paul is like coded gay, right. he doesn't really know what a man is like, so he's just sort of pulling shit out of thin air, trying to like come so up with ideas. <laughs> right, yeah. or alternatively, she has this idea in her head from watching MTV or whatever mm-hmm. that like. This is what guys are like, and then she shows up in Illyria, and all the guys are like relatively normal, and she's still acting like a caricature. Then you sort of have to her like to reckon with the fact guys aren't these like two dimensional idiots, or like maybe she's Mm -hmm. patterning herself after her ex boyfriend who is an asshole, and she's like, I can be like asshole boyfriend because that's what guys are like. And then she meets Shani Tatum, who's like, no, boys are nice too. Or it was not really yeah. No, I'm not saying he is nice. I'm saying that you could do it where like Shani Tatum like shows that he's like a sensitive boy, which they kind of pay lip service to. Your your theory, your your statement there is that like it's not that she goes too far and then all the guys are normal. It's that the guys are also terribly portrayed. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah, no, I'm not saying there are, but I'm, I'm saying that they're not constantly yeah. walking around and be like, like, what's up, but G? No, like, she is somehow like more like more extreme than all of the guys are. Yeah. Yes. Because there's constantly moments where uh, she says something that is frankly normal. Yeah. Like, what does your heart tell you? And then she yeah. and then instantly realizes, oh, that was like girly. Oh yeah, how gay that's gonna so, sound. So I yeah. have to then quickly amend it to something. Like, a thousand degrees worse, like, yeah. which one do you want to see naked? And then right. all the guys are like, what the fuck is right. wrong? Yeah. Right. Which is, like, a fair well, thing to say. Because, like, she is a caricature. Like, when she's in boy mode, it's so caricature. Yeah, it's not authentic at all. Which yeah. is why the romance doesn't really work at all, because no. how could you what have connect to? a serious rapport with anyone who's acting <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, like, the thing for, like, a movie that purports to be about, like... The, what a tangled relationship triangle we've got going on here. No one really has any actual connection to each other, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, like like I said, my thing with whole... I think Olivia, for me, kind of fares the worst of the leads. The only thing you really get about her is that at one point, she is told to pretend to be interested yes. in 
Channing Tatum. And so, like, all you get about her is that, like, she's maybe duplicitous. Right. Like, that's my read on her character, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, she's not, like, a fully fleshed out no. character. So, like, again, she kind of falls in love with fake Sebastian. And then at the end of the movie... Vanilla's like, here's real Sebastian. Just Take him, to him. Like, throw us a matter. Like, she's like, great. It's this not that far off from the play where right. she's like, listen, I'm not going to ever say yes to Orsino, but if you want to come around and try to convince me again, yeah. feel free. Right, right, so right. She is kind of stringing Orsino along via Viola because she just wants Viola to keep right. coming. Yeah, yeah. Just to go back very briefly to the how men are treated thing, mm-hmm. I, something occurred to me while I was watching it again. And I think there is, like, a weird misogyny inside of this, like, downplaying of men. Because I feel like it puts forth this idea that, like, well... Because I agree, it's shitty to say that men aren't capable of a full range of emotions. That's Mm -hmm. wrong. But I also think, on the other hand, they're almost being like, men, you can't expect much from them. So that way, it's really the woman's responsibility. No, I mean, I agree. Lee was saying that, like, the men in this movie, by and large, fare worse than the women. And I think that's true. Like, I don't think anyone, again, to be fair, no one looks good in this movie. Like, both genders look like fucking idiots. But I mean, like, you could do things. Like I was saying, like, you could show that, like, Amanda Bynes comes into this world being like, I know what guys are. They're a bunch of, like, dribbling idiots. And then she finds out that, like, oh, Channing Tatum's, like, kind of a nice guy. And he's, like, sweet. And he's not interested, you know, in Olivia just because she's hot. He's interested in Olivia because I don't know. She likes words on paper. Let's put it this way. Like, the women in this movie are sort of, like, half-complete sketches, mm-hmm. and the men are, like, Nazi propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> level. Ubermenches. Yeah. yeah, just, like, horrendously malformed like, yeah. creatures. Yeah. I think, flesh. Yeah. I would argue maybe, like, the one who comes off as, like, the most, perha- like, the furthest away from that is, who's the one friend who, like, wants Eunice? Oh, Toby. Uh, yeah, yeah, Toby's yeah, the yeah, most... Yeah. Right. I would stand to him. Yeah, because I guess sort of like, like there's the scene where like to make I guess to make Duke somehow jealous, fake Sebastian Viola takes Eunice, whom we've already established as like this weird girl yeah. who's like hypersexual and crazy on like a double date. And Toby and Andrew are watching from another table of the restaurant, and Toby says something like, "Like this is ridiculous. Like I thought Eunice was hot, and now that Sebastian's dating him, everyone thinks Eunice is hot. I hate high school. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really I funny line. Like whenever when I want to." Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm weird, but when Sebastian does it, it she's cool suddenly. Yeah. Like, High school sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. That's like the one solid bit in the movie that I'm like, yeah, it's a good movie. But to shed some light on this situation, like the, the men situation too, there's like the scene where she's, Viola's trying to like prove herself to the guys who have not rejected, because she is fucking weird. And she's like, well, I, they don't like me at all, so how, how do we get them to like me? And her, her gay best friend is like, what we'll do is we'll stage this ridiculous scene. <laughs> That's right. right. Like three different women come up to you and like want to fuck you really bad. And you're, and you're, and you're like, nah. Yeah. And the, all of the, the way that the three guys are watching this, eating it up. Like, yeah. So so they, yeah, no, they're just like so fucking thrilled. Like, yeah, they're like, what? what? Yeah. What? what? The, the turn, like, it, yeah, it really, like, men have, like, zero IQ. No, and it's, like, it's just literally insane that I guess, like, that's all it takes. It takes, like, is, like, you know that women are horny for this guy, ergo, you want to be yeah. friends? It's like, so, it's so weird, too, just because, like, A, I don't think I've seen people just openly staring and, like, watching this kind of shit happen and, yeah. like, reacting that big. But then also, it's so weird that it's essentially, like, oh, because women we think are hot think he's hot 
transitive property, he must be cool. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And then suddenly he is cool. Right, right? yeah. Next scene, Viola, everyone's like, oh, what's up, Sebastian? Yeah. So just like, what the fuck? Right. Just like ha- being hot to women was the, That's was the, the barrier for entry. Yes. <laughs> By the way, that scene ends with like Monique walking in right. and Viola has to like sort of like, like hide behind up, yeah, hide boxes. Behind boxes. Oh yeah. no, because they will recognize yeah, me. Yeah, and like break up with Monique and, right. and like test this like that line about like, I, I, I close my eyes, I see for who you truly mm-hmm. are, which is Ugly. Yeah, that's right. In like a full Shrek voice. Yeah. Everyone, everyone fucking claps. Yes. <laughs> everyone, not oh just my God. the guys. No, yeah. I love every, the entire restaurant's like yeah, cheering for this. It was, it was like, a, the wall. Yeah. I feel like you could write, you could do like a, like a, almost like a narrative adaptation and just put that in the, in the Reddit and everyone clapped. Because yeah. it's one of those stories of like, yeah, and I told that racist to shut up. And yeah, then everyone the entire restaurant applauded me. Yeah. Yes. I just, that's exactly what that yeah. felt like to yeah. me. And then I told her that she was ugly. Uh, do you, anything else to say about gender? This movie especially frustrated me with how it wants to approach something as, like, messy and interesting and political and complicated as gender, and then do absolutely nothing with it. I have, at well, all. I have a couple more things to say about gender. Okay, yeah, I, I would just say, like, in con- I, I don't... I don't entirely disagree with you. I think the movie thinks that it's doing something with gender because you have the whole thing at the end where it's like, and girls can oh, play yeah, there's soccer. That, there's that bit, but that's right. Sort of and I'm saying like, that, and that, that's that's like dated, hacky, boring right. ass, like late nineties power right. bullshit. And like, it's stupid as fuck, but it is there. The movie does think right. it's saying something Coach about Jenny gender. Jones literally says like, Amelia, we don't discriminate right, based right. on gender. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's literally what he said. I do kind of, I, I kind of love that, because I kind of love the idea of, like, this aggressively macho coach all yeah. of a sudden being like, hey, wait a minute, but that's also, not cool. But also, you have no women on your Right, brain. exactly. So, like... I was going to say, it's an all-boys team, You have so. one by accident. Right, so yeah, and so like, it's just like no women have ever tried to get on the team before. Yeah. There's a few things, there's a few big points I wanted to make. I forgot yeah. they kind of fall into the gender categories. So the, the play Twelfth Night is 100% meant to engage in both gender and, and sexual identity. Yeah. Like, it's meant to, and it was like hard to put out the time because I think there was ideas that it was potentially vaguely based on some real people, and so Shakespeare could have maybe gotten in some hot water if he was too explicit about who Orsino was because it was very obvious that like, we're like, Orsino's kind of gay, right? Yeah. It's kind of gay that he falls in love with this guy but who turned out to be a girl that's really just lucky so it's meant to be like playing with like not like a, whatever the word is like a gay like sexual yeah, but it's playing with a, a, a topic that would have been especially hot yeah, like yeah. hot and, and slightly taboo like it's meant to engage in those in the Elizabethan times and to have in the, to, to like in She's the Man made in 2000 whatever, to just avoid that entirely to, to sidestep it by having him never engage with Viola as a, mm-hmm. as a sort of romantic partner right. as Sebastian and instead just have her show up as a woman and, and they're like just a couple like a well I mean to be fair the one time that they do engage anything close to it is when they're screaming on the yeah, bed yeah, as yeah, the spider yeah. and you have like the little gay panic moment where like they're both like they're screaming and they yeah, look yeah, down yeah. like oh no we're close to each I other I hated that, that so that bad. much yeah that was a horrendous one I think though like the thing that is interesting about this movie is it's not so much that it all, like has a lot of gay panic jokes because it, I don't think it doesn't but it, it's there a little bit but what I was going to say is I think it more ignores the concept of homosexuality altogether mm-hmm. aside from like the coded gay best friend who's like kind of a little bit there but yeah. like you never have to have Duke possibly reckon with the idea that he might be in love with his roommate which feels like a really lame cop out right so it's like again it's like it's not even that it's like gay panicked by this idea it's not like it's Duke like taking a shower like oh that's gross no 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 it's literally that it doesn't cross anyone's mind that no. they 
might be in love with like someone of the same it's, gender. It's almost just like, oh no, I'm I'm hugging a person. It right. doesn't even matter that it's a guy. It's right. Like, so, oh, gross. Touching cooties. Yeah, right. yeah. I would um, I mean, on the flip side of the coin, I would say that like though aspects of it have dated, Tootsie does a better job of pulling off a, a shroud yeah. like this. In theory, the character learns how to be a better man by learning what women go through. Yes. You know, so it's like the idea that you know you learn something about yourself, you learn something about the other sex mm-hmm. that you didn't quite know before, and it makes you a better yeah. person. I mean, like, yeah, maybe you could sort of have it inverted of like learning. You know, like you, you just assume that all guys are, are toxic masculine. Right. I think it's like I think again, like if you assume like all guys are your boyfriend, your douchebag yeah. boyfriend, <laughs> then maybe like you go into this thinking yeah. that, and then like well, you could like learn that like because you are presumably as a woman pretending to be a man, not go- like going to be appealing to these toxic masculine fucks, and then you start to see the pressure that is put on men right. to to do that. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that could have been a thing. Not engaged yeah. with at all. I am. No. Um... I was going to say, I feel like I forgot what it was. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to go into characters then before yes. we just like wrap it up uh, completely there. Yeah. So first of all, we've got Amanda Bynes as Viola Hastings, the protagonist. No, listen, <sighs> the first, never on Her analog, obviously, again, sorry, yeah. just to call you, this is Viola, the character the same I name. think she's on the high, like, She's one of the higher ones, but only because right. she has to be because she's the because she's there right? all the time. Yeah, her acting in this movie is very much like sketch comedy yes. based, where I think everyone else is doing a little bit more grounded comedy, I agree. except maybe Malvolio, where and he plays a little bit big too. Yeah. But like her, it really feels like a bit she did on the Amanda Show, like it transplanted does. to a yeah. movie. I don't think that her acting skills are to blame, really. No, I don't. I don't either. Um, the I writing is I, just piss poor. And, yeah, and, and the would, direction too. Again, like the fact that she's directed to basically boys. be like, like, what up, boys? Check out that. Yeah. I'm sure she was directed to like give more in the face and that's how we got all of these just wild facial expressions yeah yeah Yeah, it's very Amanda show it's very very sketch comedy it's so much face pulling from her and it's so weird just also kind of like to your point about like you kind of feel like this plot should have her learning something I think that's the major reason why it just feels like her character is so hollow because she doesn't know what well, I mean I was gonna say I think that's why every character feels kind of hollow because, because they don't really change but like, much she literally had a transformative experience yeah yeah, and, and she it, learned nothing from right that. and I mean and again like in Twelfth Night it's not like she has like a change either and characters don't always need to change to tell an interesting story no. but it does feel that like it just feels weird that right. through this it, it does feel no like right, a story where you literally change who you are does not provide you with some perspective that matters yeah. yeah anyway uh Channing Tatum as Duke Orsino I think I described him as he's like so far down the himbo spectrum yes. past the line where it's cute and yeah. the yes. line where it's like Jesus Christ right like how, how, how do you function book, yeah right? exactly like learn something about it's, humanity right it does feel that like this is the prototype for something that Channing Tatum would do better yeah, later was, on his he career he would it later in like Come Magic Mike and whatnot yeah Jump Street yeah exactly um cause definitely in this you can see him trying to reach for some of the cause I think what he does better in the later movies with a more refined version of this persona is I think he figured out a way to like find the human in there while also giving you just like really good comedy. Right. In this case, he truly is just like a caveman and yeah, he's like, oh, how to talk to girls. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And her suggestion is like, to talk ask about cheese. about cheese, which is, you're both idiots. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but again, I have, like, he's prefaced everything. I think the writing in this movie is terrible. Bad. Yeah. The director is bad, so I, I can't. They I, were not I, given good material. I'm going to call all of these characters trash, but I don't think that the actors are necessarily trash. I believe the screenplay for this actually was done. So one of the women, Karen McCullough, who did the screenplay. Um, what's that? A woman wrote this? Two women have credit. So two women are credited with this. Uh, 
one of uh, and the two women who did this also wrote 10 Things I Hate About You. What? Which is really fascinating. Uh, one of them also worked on Legally Blonde, which I also feel is like almost wow. a better version of this. It is. Where it's like, mm. again, oh, she's Legally not pretending Blonde to... Legally Blonde is a fantastic, fantastic. woman. Yeah, where it's not like her pretending to be a man per se, but it's her like, try, like pretending to be like Something else. Right, like yeah. an intelligent lawyer, and then like learning that like she can actually it's do movies about women lifting each other up. Right. I fucking love yeah. the movie. Yeah, it's, it's great. great. We love Legally Blonde. It's great. Um, it's it's so amazing the... how like terrible they how, did it in this. How could you get it so right in 10... Because 10 Things was before this, right? Yeah. And it's a much better and Shakespeare Legally, Legally Blonde came after? Yeah. Mm, no, Legally Blonde was 04, I think. Oh, okay. Then how can you get it so right twice? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's so Again, wrong. it's one of those things where, like, who knows how much of their fault it is. Um, it could be one of those things where, like, arbitration has credited them, but, like, they only did the first draft of this, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. And they got, like, studio noted Right, to yeah. So then you've got Laura Ramsey as Olivia Lennox, who Olivia, obviously, is her analog in Twelfth Night as well. I mean, I, I think you said it, Brendan. She's, like, a point for I think she truly cares the worst, because, like, she has the least screen yeah, time of the three. About right, yeah. She likes poetry. She likes yeah. Sebastian's I lyrics. I don't even it. know how you can describe the performance, because so you don't see that much of it. No, like, I think the only time where she does something that's, like, almost characterful, again, is when she pretends to be interested in Duke mm -hmm. so that Sebastian will be jealous. And that's, like, the only time she does, like, an action that might inform right. a character. Otherwise, she's always just She's reacting. just, like, right, she's just, like, girl who loves right. boy. Well, it's about swoon it. or laugh most right. of the time. Yeah, and that's pretty much all you get from her. So Oof. Olivia is really just sort of, like... The weakest link I, in this I think I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, James Snyder as Malcolm Festis, whose analog, of course, is Malvolio. <laughs> and, but then he's also named for Festi, although I don't think there yeah. is any Festi. His, his, name is, his surname oh is Festus. Oh my god, his last name is Festus. Oh yeah. my god. Yeah, so like, nothing again, about him is... No, I think it's, it's just like, well, it's the same thing. Like, the restaurant's called Cesario's. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah, oh, no, no I didn't. Yeah. yeah, I was like, Yeah, nice so one. like, they're a lot of it is just clearly like, let's throw some names in. We're going to get into it in my fix, but like, not having Festi is the biggest crime in my book. Because Fessy is my favorite Shakespeare character right. of all time. Um, I think he's <laughs> one of the say, really, yeah. yeah, I think he's one of the most egregious, like late twenties, playing a high schooler in yes. this movie. Yeah, he doesn't look he, like he's in yeah, the at all. Like at no point does he look like a high schooler. All cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's just there's nothing much to this character. He doesn't right. Like he's much. kind of like simpering. Yeah. And it, it, he you know it's a great word. Yeah, for it's him. like one of those characters that's like ooh, like you love to see this guy get hit with a towel or something. It's right. really funny. Yeah, she gets the next listing on the cast. Emily. Perkins as Eunice. Oh, yeah, it's really I mean, she had one thing to do and she did it. She's, yeah. her, her description on Wikipedia is the nerdy and eccentric classmate with weird sexual fantasies. Yeah. That's it. That's I don't it. know if they're weird necessarily, but I don't think they are either. I think she's just like very horny. Yeah. I think the one thing that's like weirdly interesting is this movie almost feels like it's going to like quote unquote redeem her character. Like the scene where she's talking, where she's like walking backwards and sits down on a bench next to fake Sebastian Viola and like you think that they're going to have some sort of heart to heart that like makes her character like not one dimensional or something. Thing, but like it doesn't really oh. it just turns into like him staying in her dorm and she's like watching him sleep and mm -hmm. it's just, of, of course she is it's so funny to see a woman be that horny well, I think it's so forward right. in her sexuality but no, I think it's not even that it's so funny that she's so Agreed. nerdy and unattractive <laughs> yeah. but she's also a, horny a right. fucking like, orthodontic right. piece what <laughs> nobody had in right. Right. what man would want her but she want man we I, evolved past those we had I better did, technology I did think though like that's whether you would have like thrown on someone in like the 70s yeah Alex Breckenridge as Monique Valentine, hey. the character who could have, I think, been cut completely from this with very little. She doesn't add anything. Not at all. And again, no analog for this character. It's strange that this is such like a predominant character, and that there is no character that they're basing it off of. And you know, so like it's entirely a complication that they invented that did not need to be invented. It is I a think. weird move too because. 
like, the cast is already huge, and they've already kind of, you know, taken some pains to, like, composite some characters, I guess, or whatever, but why then make a new one? No, yeah, that's... You have so many to choose from. It truly confuses me. James Kirk as Sebastian, Vela's twin brother, who is in London with his band, again, playing Sebastian from Twelfth Night. Mm-hmm. Um... I think is fine. Ryan. He kind of looks a little... I think he's he looks... He's the he, best guy in the movie, probably. Yeah, right. Yeah. Just by, like, default of the fact yeah. that... He's yeah. most human. Yeah. He doesn't think his sister is a fucking loser, which yeah. is, I guess, like, a win for... <laughs> for, <laughs> for, for women. Yeah. yeah, a win for women and men. That here's a guy that doesn't just... Doesn't hate his sister. sister. Hey, Listen. that one guy... He could recognize his sister's humanity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think he kind of looks a little like Amanda Bynes. Not which, enough to carry Well, this. no, certainly not enough for her That's to play him. Match. I think it looks like they're swimming in the same gene pool. Yeah. Um, is the most I can really say there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Robert Hoffman as Justin Drayton, Viola's ex-boyfriend. Again, no analog for this character. And just an unnecessary character who's really annoying when he comes around. I think the only really value he could have if you squint is like, oh, I guess that's why she thinks all dudes are like this. But it, I think I'm doing more work for the movie. Yeah, just you, you are. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I think that's also yeah. a possibility, It's kind of like a mystery not. why she was dating him, because it's implied that he was bad at everything before. Yes. Right, and he's always kind of like a sleazy weirdo. And I can't imagine, so in the, they break up because she says like, you you said the other night that I was better than half the guys on the soccer team. He's like, oh, babe, babe I, I don't think I said that. Dude. It's just sort of like, this is the first time he's ever done something shitty. Like, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. Finney Jones as Coach Dinklage, no analog. <laughs> No, this is the weird thing. So you've also got David <laughs> like Cross. Just said no. Yeah. Well, like, well, if you have, if you're at school, right. most of these characters are going to be students. Like, right. mm-hmm. you have to have teachers. Right. And I don't really know who the teachers. Well, be. see, this is like there's, there's so many of them are romantically involved with. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't have Malvolio be a teacher because that's then he's that'd be that'd be super fucking student. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I think what, it's one of those things where like whenever I saw like the principal or Vinnie Jones again, not having read Twelfth Night years ago, but not being super familiar with it before I saw this again. Yeah. I it's one of those things where like you see this character you kind of like oh is this sort of like officer krupke in west side story or something or like we're like oh. or who, who's the guy in romeo and juliet who's like the the prince right? oh yeah the prince right who just like shows was like hey guys like get your no paris is her bow mercurio no there is a prince yeah i know there's a prince but i'm saying his name is not prince paris oh i mean paris is her boyfriend in but romeo and juliet? yeah she doesn't have a boyfriend in romeo and juliet yeah she it's paris it's Paul Rudd in Baj Luhrmann's oh. Romeo and Prince Aeschylus. Oh, oh. Paul Rudd plays Paris, who is like her would-be, who's like the Chino analog. I completely don't remember him. Anyways, so it's like anytime like an authority figure shows up, my mind just goes to the fact like, oh, so there must be like an authority figure in the play who they're adapting as the principal for this. Yeah. But like, Because well, most no. of the time, though, the authority figures are the main characters in Shakespeare because they're right. nobles. Yeah, they're exactly. nobles and servants. And so right. like, but you, if they're... The main characters in the movie, you want them to be the students. Right. So you kind of have to invent who these teachers are. No, you At do. At most, I think Sir Toby could probably be, like, the art teacher or something. I kind of, no, I kind of like and, that, and yeah. And, like, his niece is at the school, and she's like, oh, he's my uncle. My yeah, uncle's like, fucking drunk at school. I think, yeah. And, yeah, that would work. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pretty much after that, you're getting into, like, the dregs, except I mean, for, of course, Julie Haggerty. Who's great, but... Daphne Hastings, who yeah. is wildly underused. Uh, Lee, yeah. you had said earlier, and I completely agree with you, that this is a sort of... Not fight. quite the kind <laughs> yeah. of character that Julie Haggerty she's, usually she's plays. She's not, like, breathless and mousy. She's or like ditzy sort of yeah, in like a she's way. She's more like yeah. She's a society. She's dame. in charge. She's yeah. Got the, yeah. She's she's ladylike. And, yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. Of the other she's capable. Yeah. She has a very kind of Nancy Reagan hair happening. She does. Yeah. She does. She is very Nancy Reagan-y. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everyone after that's really like they don't mean. I mean, you've got like I, I, you know like Andrew and Toby who, who are barely who, characters. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, Jonathan Sadowski as Paul Antonio Viola's best friend. Kind of could matter in a better version of this. Right. Could matter. And honestly, like, I don't don't hate it being, like, a gay friend or anything, but just, like, 
Like, that in and of itself isn't the problem. It's just, it's such lazy queer coding. Like, huh. I mean, like, again, to be fair, like, I don't know. Like, I've been calling him queer coded. I think and, he is. I agree. Well, no. And I mean, look, what I'm saying is that the movie doesn't really go into it one way or the other, you know? Mm. And so it's like, is... I, I guess that's a different conversation about, like, is queer-coded if the character just doesn't mention their sexuality, you know? like if it I, To me, it was queer-coded because there was no comment on the sexuality. Usually, to me, a man telling a woman how to act in a certain way is usually the gay friend role. Yeah, no, and, and again, I'm not saying that... I, I can't remember what... I feel like there was a comparison I'd heard to this, where it's the idea that, like, just because a character does not mention their sexuality does not mean it's, like, offensive to their sexuality, you know? Right. And I can't remember what... Like, there, there was a very good comparison that I liked to, where it was, like, it was something where, like, in X version of the story, character doesn't state that they're gay. In Y version of the story, they do. And that does not inherently make it, like, better representation. No. That just means that they're saying, like, I am gay. It was right. something shit. I, I truly wish I remember what it was. Where it was That's like, a good point. It was a character who, like, mentions that they have a... Oh, fucking, fucking shit. Captain America? No, I know what it is. <laughs> it's the fucking Devil Wears Prada musical adaptation oh. that's in Chicago right now. What? Where Stanley Tucci's character in the movie yeah. never explicitly says, yes, I'm a homosexual. Right. We, they give us plenty right. to... But in it, whereas in the stage show, he specifically mentions, like, yes, I have a husband. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's not inherently better for him to outright say, no. I am a gay man no. and I have a husband. He was clearly gay and right. he was a cool guy. We all love him. Right, and right. so that's what that's I'm saying. Like, I don't think like there's anything bad with his character in the movie not saying yeah. I'm gay because it's not his story so it doesn't matter and then that character left Miranda Priestly went to go find Cher at the burlesque club in LA yeah. and just started making her costumes and had a much better life for himself yeah. anyway yeah, we've gotten chill that working for that lady yes. yeah we've gotten way off so I think we can just wrap it up at this point and we can talk about our fixes Sure. Who wants to start? I can go. go All right, go ahead. I I guess it's cool. I guess it's cool. The biggest bummer to me about this movie, I mentioned it, was just that the original play is directly dealing with this stuff that I still feel like we kind of treat with kid gloves to some extent now. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's such a missed opportunity I'm sorry. I thought, okay, I, thought, I thought I could just like. <laughs> apparently, I must have shaken it up as I was, was walking from home. I just love that you were like trying to. I do the same dance with it whenever I have one. My thought is uh, I want to have a non binary person who uh, is at one high school where they experience some very intense bullying. They really want to transfer. The only way they can get into this other school, which is the only one in the area that can take them at that point, is. Illyria, Pi, or whatever the fuck we want to call it, and uh, because they were really afraid of repeating the same experience, they decide to just take on their twin's identity, basically. We'll say the twin is, I don't know, in another country or something. I really want this to kind of be like this character. Finds maybe one other, I don't know if it's it's just another like sympathetic, they have like some kind of ally on campus that they're able to kind of like get help with trying to like pretend and all of this, but I would really love for this to be about this character. Not only maybe learning more about their own gender identity and sexuality, because I feel like this experience of inhabiting this other identity and maybe having the attraction of this other girl and... Oh, but maybe you're also kind of into one of your teammates on the team. I think that's just a really interesting thing to explore. I want to have the Orsinio character to be, like, to see this as an opportunity to question themselves about, like, why am I feeling this way and this attraction and everything. And I feel like that it, that kind of process could be one that we're touching in on with all of the characters within this weird love to Decahedron, because I just think... 
I don't see how any of these people could find themselves in this bat fuck crazy situation and not have learned something about themselves or changed in some way or you know what I mean just so I, I want it to be about that and I feel like whether or not people are coupled at the end is like fully immaterial I really want the focus to be on these kids having this experience and self-actualizing about themselves and realizing things about themselves and yeah I feel like our Olivia character in this case is having their preconceptions challenged even if they're experiential um and I would love for them to grow in that way, especially because I feel like per, maybe potentially they kind of feel like, well, I came out of the closet. It's straights who don't have it figured out. It's whatever. And then kind of realizing, oh, I actually do have this blind spot and coming to understand men better. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I like it. Yeah. You um, sure, I can go. So it started off as one thing. It's, it's evolving in my brain as I speak. <laughs> so it's going to be a little wishy-washy. And it'll um, be in theaters this fall? It'll be in theaters this fall, yeah. We'll definitely have it ready by then. So I think the vibe I would shoot for here is I, I, I keep coming back to, like, my favorite high school movies are still from the 80s, I think. Dead, what's the fucking, what's that one movie? Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead. Better Off Dead. I think it'd be, like, not Dead Poets the, Society. The spiritual sequel, uh, One Crazy Summer. Yeah. All those, all those movies where, like... I wanted to sort of retain that comedy vibe. Like, I don't want to... I I, like, I think it's fine to, like, touch on stuff, but I don't want to, like, do a, have a moral or go into anything mm-hmm. or, or try to make a statement. Um, but I wanted to pick uh, modern... I want to still keep it modern, and I wanted to pick, like, society not quite as it is now, but, like, maybe a little bit better than it is now, but still evolving. Like, still has room to evolve. So I'm getting rid of the whole, like... It's not set at a high school. It's set at... It started at, like, a sort of mathletes thing in my mm-hmm. brain, but I, I, I have I came up with this word, I'm gonna keep using it until I write it in, in an actual story, the cyathlon. Which <laughs> I like I like as like a sort of alternative for that kind so of like a like, science triathlon or whatever? Yeah, or, or, or like, like some sort of a it's sort of in my brain as like an inter uh, school. Interscholastic what is the word for that? Yeah. Yeah. Um interscholastic like competition that's not oh, yeah. sports, that's like academic based. I think I got mixed up in my brain a little bit or, or, or kind of in love with the idea of like the maybe the staying away aspect. And then I was thinking back up at like PCC and how that was like a really formative experience for me and where I met a lot of friends. So maybe it's more of like an, a nerdy academic summer camp type thing. But I, I kind of need there to be a team-based structure for this to work. So we're going to say that for some reason it's 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 a loosey-goosey concept where it's, it's gifted students, mm-hmm. like smart people that get chosen by the school. So, like, let's say that there's a competitive nature to this where there are teams, and they're all from different schools. Um, so you have, at Viola's school, Viola and Sebastian are, are still twins. They both go there. Sebastian's a little bit of a fuck-up. Maybe he's been held back a year. He's, like, not—he's not an academically-minded student. Viola, on the other hand, is very brilliant. Um, and they need to send someone—send some, two students to the competition. Um, and for some reason, there's some weird archaic rule that they can't pick— Viola, even though they really want to, but they can be like it's some sort of one ma- boy, one girl thing. Right, or, yeah. I don't know, something like that, um, where they just can't pick Sebastian. But they they picks the the principal picks Sebastian and then calls the two of them into the office and is like, listen, like I we're just gonna like because the school really needs this reputation. Like, <laughs> the PTA is on my ass. Like we're gonna send you. I want to win gonna, best school this year. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna pretend to be. Um, Sebastian and Viola is is kind of okay with it because she wants her brother to do well and mm-hmm. like it, she's we'll reflect well on her him. brother's yeah. reputation. Um, and he's like, I'm gonna send uh, the other person that I've chosen to send is my son Festy, who's gonna help you cover this <laughs> up. Um, and and, and Festy is like the sort of like weirdo kind of like outsider guy who's like kind of like a he's, bit of a black sheep in the. Is he gonna be like, is he gonna be a Rolo? 
Uh, he's a, a bit of a Rolo kind of type <laughs> character, but I think he might also have similar gender identity stuff going on. Maybe mm-hmm. he's non-binary. Maybe he's kind of like maybe he's into cross-dressing a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, so he he has some sort of a, like pre-existing expertise where he's going to be able to help fill out um, in sort of passing and, and getting. And he's going to like basically play interference to like prevent everyone from figuring out what's going on here. Um, so she shows up and she's placed on the team by Captain by Orsino from a, of a different school. Andrew, Sebastian, and Festi are on one team, and there's another team that's similarly like like highly ranked as like ooh this is the team to to to, to think about and when you when you place in bets is captained by Olivia, who has uh, Toby, Mariah, and Melvolio on her team. Olivia and Maria are friends from the same sort of suburban type high school somewhere. Toby's from, like, a very public, a very large public high school, and he's a bit of a hot mess. And then Mavilio's from, like, some preppy school, like, some mm-hmm. elitist preppy school. Andrew and, Olive- and Orsino, like, have previously been at some sort of similar competition with Olivia, so they both have huge crushes on her. And Orsino is, like, a math nerd, and he's really bad at, like, conveying himself, whereas Viola's, like, an English lit fiend, and mm-hmm. so she's, like, quite good at it. And so, like, he quickly clumps on to Sebastian and is like, yo, like, how can I, like... <laughs> make a good impression with this girl and so they, they become friends so I think from there it's the plot is a bit loosey-goosey but I kind of wanted to do this thing where it's kind of like not quite gender and sexual it's not limited to that it's kind of like Malvolio and other people will represent like the establishment and mm-hmm. like society as it is now and like Viola and like Festi will kind of represent like the the more progressive cultural side of things and like also Toby as well will be in there so like the servants who are trying to trick to trick Malvolio as well as Viola and Festi kind of fall into this category of like we are like the more enlightened, yeah. <laughs> progressive view, and then like they're like Orsino and Olivia and other people are kind of in between. Where like they both come from like maybe suburban areas where like they're not like they haven't been trained to think that being gay is bad or being on binary is bad, but they also haven't had their perspectives questioned or challenged that much. Um, they haven't been exposed to a lot of diverse cultural mm-hmm. perspectives, and so they're just maybe a little bit like you know unlearned right. in the ways. And I kind of wanted to have the movie kind of be about that, where like. Or seen when maybe does start to feel like he's crushing a little bit of this guy, and he's like, "Shit, what does that mean? Am I gay? Like, I don't know." Um, I want. I kind of think um, this is just my favoritism coming into play here, but I kind of want Fiola to end up with Festy in the end because I kind of want there to be a relationship forged on like a bond of common interests and into like. And I just feel like it's like the the plot lines of like I'm in love with this guy, but he's in love with someone else is weird because it's weird to like suddenly be like so cool with it at the end when he's like, okay, I'll date you, and it's like really. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like the idea that like maybe like there's like crushing, there's a crush triangle happening, but there's like a real bond being formed between Viola and Festy the whole time. Oh. And I don't really care what happens to the other ones, but I definitely want Mavolio to sort of like because Olivia is also crushing a little bit on Sebastian, he's trying to get the dirt on Sebastian. And starts to uncover like, oh, this Shrade, is not really yeah. a guy, yeah. <laughs> and what? Because he's like a huge rules nerd, rules lawyer. Right. Is like trying to get uh, the, the competition banned, and they they overturn the ridiculous rule in the end, and they make a fool out of Mavolio or whatever. Um, and Festy's sort of like mastermind. They drag him off to an insane asylum. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's more like just desserts than that. But yeah, that's pretty much my my idea. Nice. I have like two faint ideas. One is very half baked because it's only like two sentences. So just to like kind of start off with that one, I, I didn't really want to like go into this one in detail because this is one of those like aggressively not my story to tell scenarios where like in, in my head it was probably going to be some sort of like a camp, like like maybe some sort of like arts camp. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you would want to kind of deal with the idea where the main character, which I don't know which gender we would be going with here necessarily or what their name would be, but Viola is sort of questioning their identity. And so like the concept of like 
the trans identity is something that maybe they're starting to first like consider as a possibility. Mm-hmm. And so when they go to this camp, they show up there and people are like, oh, like you're a trans guy, right? And she's just like, yes, maybe I am. Oh, and so like just kind of like falls into the ideas like as an exploration, like not so much as like a charade put on to like deceive everyone, but just they're like, what if I was? Like, I'm going to take if, this little right, like, trip for personal discovery. Right, like, what if I was trying this on just as an identity to see how I feel about it right now? And so you kind of have, like, that aspect of the original play where, like I said, the gender swap is kind of incidental and not really a means to an end. It's more mm-hmm. just sort of, well, I, I need money, got to dress up as this other gender in order to, like, not be dead, not to start with death. <laughs> and I, I was thinking also, like, it would be a drama or, like, camp because... Wikipedia leads me to believe that meta theater is a theme of the original play and has a brief paragraph about the meta theatrical aspects of Twelfth Night. There is some of that in most Shakespeare plays too, right? Where, but but I think like you could kind of delve into that if you wanted it to be sort of like a theater camp kind mm. of thing. That's something that I think would be interesting, but I'm not the person to tell you right. how that story would go. My other less half baked idea is more just like how would I make this movie something like something that I would kind of want to watch again. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this movie would be fun if it weren't so scared of being gay because, like I said, it's not like that. It's actively homophobic it just thinks that gay people are like mythical fair folk who don't really exist <laughs> yeah and like therefore like can't possibly wrap their heads around the idea that someone might be a homosexual so alien so you gotta make it less weird about the possibility of gay people existing to start with i'm going to eliminate vela's ex-boyfriend in the entire soccer subplot it is my least favorite things i think it's gotta go uh sebastian could still be off doing band maybe vela like wants to go to his school because her mother has her at like a private school for delicate young women where it's just sort of Mrs. So-and-so's finishing school where it'll teach you like how to be a perfect lady at the end of the day and she's like aggressively don't care about this I would rather go to Sebastian's school because he's at some like artsy school for creative little tots or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> Malcolm kind of needs a reason to be integrated into this main plot, I think. Like, I get what you're saying, Lee, and I respect that, but I think that if you're doing it, like, as a 90-minute movie, you-, you can still keep some of the fat. Like, I still kind of like the idea of, like, other characters pranking Malcolm, like, mm-hmm. throughout the entire play, but you probably... I don't know if I would do the whole thing where, like, they make him... They make everyone think that he's crazy and, like, drag Well, him, yeah, you know? I wouldn't go that Yeah, far no, I'm not saying you like would that. either, but I'm just saying... So, like, I think you can kind of keep the vague idea of, like, characters keep pranking Malcolm throughout it. Like, they make him dress up like an idiot. The gang of them, because they're, like, the goofy creatures. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, you need to have, like, those chuckleheads in there. And I think the, uh, the, you know, like I said, the basic idea of adapting Malcolm to just be sort of a pain in the ass kind of works for me. I'm going to combine Malcolm and Sebastian's girlfriend into one character, like, real Sebastian's girlfriend into one character. So you can incorporate aspects of his play arc by having him convinced that, like, something's amiss here, I'm going to figure out what it is. Instead of him necessarily being, like, I I believe Olivia's really in love with me. It's more that like something's weird about this guy and no one else sees what it is. And everyone's like, you're fucking nuts, Malcolm. Like, yeah. calm down, you fucking crazy son of a bitch. And he's like, no, something's really wrong here. And they're all just like, he has lost it. Uh, so you can have a little bit of that. I think, again, like I said, Duke has to question his sexuality a little bit as part of this whole charade. Yeah. And without the soccer subplot there, you can either have it be more about personal relationships or if you want to do something where it's like, oh, you know, Viola, now that she's playing Sebastian, wants to go out for the male part in a play or something. Right. Like that plum role that you don't get to do whatever like 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 there's not fucking plum roles for women in the theater i don't know what if in like to really take this to an inception level she auditions for the lead role of the their school's production of tootsie (laughs) 
the music. I think just to say yeah. 12 night or something. Just to like oh. really to, to go full on easy no, into or it. like wasn't like where the world of mine where they literally yeah, doing do, um, stream. stream. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when you have do find out about Viola Charade, I think this is one of those things where like it probably in terms of modern screenwriting parlance, it probably has to happen at like beginning of Act Three for yeah. it to be like a big revelation. And I think it like because in the movie it barely mat like it doesn't really come up. Like you think it should be one of those things where it's like oh all of Act Three is like he's mad. And I guess in this movie it's like all of Act Three he's mad at fake Sebastian because he saw Olivia kiss real Sebastian and thought it was fake Sebastian and now he's mm -hmm. mad at Viola and all that dumb shit. But like it really just has to be that he is like not gay panicked about it, it's just that like you lied. I kind of thought that like I was going through something very personal this discovery of am I possibly interested into a guy and it turns out that you're just like a woman fucking leading me on this entire time like I opened up to you how the hell could you do this to me thought you were in this with me right then in the end of course Viola gets with both Olivia and Duke where they like they're both just sort of okay. like you know what like we gotta see where this is going like I think we've all like uncovered some interesting details about ourselves we're not gonna say that I'm pairing off you and you it's more just like let's see how this goes let's compare notes yeah right it's sort of like that and I think also the thing that I also want is that Paul gets with Sebastian because in the stage yeah. show the one thing that we didn't really go into a lot is that Antonio who is kind of Paul's analog in Twelfth Night is like really kind of gay for Sebastian and it doesn't really pay off for him in a meaningful way so I think it'd be kind of nice if maybe through like much of act three Paul Antonio and Sebastian are having their own like shenanigans off to the side doing god knows what while all this other shit is going on and that's how they like discover their feelings for each other I like that so yeah that's that's what I got three from my very different fixes yeah truly yeah. yeah so of course the hundred thousand dollar question would you recommend this movie no no, no I never I don't definitely like not this was such a weird journey because like I do remember really holding this movie as like Oh, it's like fun bad. But now I kind of think it's, it's just bad bad. I like this movie. No, oh. I, I, yeah, no, I, again, I don't care. Like, if you want to write an article explaining how this is actually super feminist and, like, <laughs> you know, you can read queer theory into that's fine. Go ahead and do it. I disagree with you. Like, but, like, I don't care. Write whatever you want. Like whatever you like. I you can, to... like, bad things. Mm -hmm. It's fine. You're, you're allowed. I try to withhold, like, making objective statements about things, yeah. but this is a bad movie. No, it is. Mm -hmm. It's not a good movie. I think yeah. no one's really good in it. No one has a good mm -hmm. chance to shine. The writing is bad. The yeah. direction is bad. Yeah, like, there's not really... Yeah. Th this People is, like, not something... Good or bad. <laughs> yeah, I, this is not something I see myself ever watching again. If someone told me they like this movie, I foresee myself asking a million questions trying to drill down to what they... Like, what, what is the get? thing? Yeah, yeah, right. What right. did you get? Did you right. get I mean, to? that is truly, like, what I take away from this. Like, there's not even like that one thing you know yeah. like how a movie will sometimes have one thing you're like well at least I like this aspect of it and there's really nothing here in yeah. that you know it's, it's more just like what it could have been intrigues me more than anything it actually is guys that's She's the Man don't watch it don't bother it's not a good movie uh, go to our website www.dreadpack.com for uh, all of our episodes it can be found on there facebook.com slash podcast is our Facebook page uh, of course as always Apple Podcasts probably Stitcher all that other stuff we'll have to figure out at some point you can find us on there. We'll be back in two weeks with a mini episode. Mm -hmm. Till then. Bye.